Hey, hi! Hello! Welcome to an all-new episode of Press YYZ, your favorite Canadian gaming podcast. You can catch the show weekly on youtube.com slash pressyyz, live on twitch.tv slash pressyyz, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, or on your own time on your podcast service of choice. Before we get started, a reminder that, as always, we here at Press YYZ stand against discrimination of any kind. While we appreciate however you while, while we appreciate however you choose to give back to our show, there's no better way to support us than by being excellent to each other. Uh, on that note, speaking of being excellent, cozy, uh, mm. there's there's something here we want to bring attention to. Uh, yes. So, uh, everybody that is currently tuned into watching a stream either live or after the fact on YouTube, or maybe on their own time on podcast services, uh, I want to encourage all uh, to take a moment and please consider donating to the Palestine Children's Relief Fund. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware by this point, uh, many Palestinians are currently hurting in the wake of the horrific events that have been unfolding within their country over the past few weeks, and it goes w without saying that providing even a small donation will undoubtedly go a long way to helping save lives. Um, a link to the Palestine Children's Relief Fund can be found in the ticker below. Uh, and also in the chat, we will periodically be posting uh, links to the fund there that you can go and access. Uh, so please go ahead and check that out. Hold off any donations that you might have for us this week. Certainly, we will still all be here by the end of next week. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> I, we are also joined by Nathan McInerney. How are you doing? Eh, not bad. Uh, it's been yeah. a busy few weeks for work. Um, it's almost done. Two more days left. I've been pretty much streaming all day uh, for work, doing work fun streaming. So it's a different experience. Yeah. Um, before we get get started proper, um, <laughs> a couple of glaring omissions from our, our podcast lineup today. Um, Mitch is busy moving. Um, you may remember, I think he may have brought it up that he bought a house at some point. Um, and he... Uh, <laughs> he was spreading himself a little too thin and needs to focus on that. So he's going to be uh, taking some time off and getting settled in his new house and, and whatnot, uh, getting all that uh, uh, finalized. As well, um, Alex Ballant is uh, taking, a, taking a, a little bit of a, a breather to fo focus a bit on uh, some school um, that he wants to. He says he might be able to make it next week. Well, well I'll cr keep my fingers crossed for that. Um, but... Uh, yeah, on that note, um, a couple other uh, housekeeping things. Um, this is um, not episode 69. So, yeah, we're, we're going to do an actual episode 69 like we promised um, the previous week. Uh, you know, w once we get everybody back, uh, you know, um, and, and everybody's uh, available. Um, yeah. Last week we... we Last week we took off uh, for um, Victoria Day weekend. You know, one, once everybody else, once a few of us decided um, that we needed, you know, they needed some some mental health uh, focus. Uh, you know, we mm. kind of all felt similarly in that regard. Cozy, you were going to say something. I was going to say, you know, even if we had not chosen to take last week off, it would have been a weird choice to do episode 69 last week, regardless, considering that, you know, last Wednesday, I feel was the height of 
all the weird IGN controversy going on. And greater than that, I would say the wider internet really becoming aware of the plight that many Palestinians are currently facing uh, in their country, you know, as we talked about at the beginning of today's stream. And so I feel like even then we were like, uh, it's not exactly maybe the best choice for us to have this be our wacky bells and whistles episode 69 episode this week. And yeah, obviously we decided to delay it. And for now, I think we're just going to be putting it off until we both have the full gang back together. But also we feel like the world is in a state where we can have ourselves a more joyous, humorous episode, the likes of which episode 69 would have to be. Does that mean Absolutely. that the 69 could come from any time from anywhere? Uh, I feel like there, I feel maybe. like there's an innuendo in there somewhere and I can't find it. No. Oh. All right. <laughs> I try. I'm, my, listen, I'm I'm feeling a little under the weather. I got my COVID vaccine last uh, uh, this past Saturday. Uh, my first first dose of the uh, Pfizer. Um, I don't know if I don't know if the the I'm fe- currently feeling the effects of that finally, um, or if I'm currently <laughs> feeling with the other health issues that I've been um, going through the past few. Uh, the past month or so, um, but yeah, if I if I sound a little bit off, you know, that's my reason, and I'm sticking. To am it. I am I the only person in this uh, podcast, including uh, our hosts that aren't currently here, that hasn't been vaccinated? Because no, I'm getting I'm next my, Thursday. Next Thursday, I'm getting yeah. vaccinated tomorrow. So this Ooh. Thursday, I'll and be the last you know, one. I'm you'll be getting. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'm no. This is going to be one of two. Okay. What do you do? You know which one you're getting, or oh, what which one I'm getting? Uh, no, it'll no, be no. it would be Pfizer or Moderna for you. But, mm. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I got I got the Pfizer. So hashtag Pfizer gang. You know, I want the go, Pfizer. Go, go us. Yeah. It. I I like the I like the techno. So I've watched some science science videos on like SciShow and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially leading up to getting the vaccine. Just okay. What exactly is an R uh, an mRNA vaccine and how does it work and all that. I couldn't articulate it and reiterate everything that I've learned there but you know it's actually uh it's actually super fascinating and it's like it's not this brand new thing that some people think it is it's it's been be the idea of it has been being developed for for so many years and the techno the the technology I guess you can call it itself it not not only was were these vaccines a global effort to to try and uh, stomp out COVID nineteen, but um, the technology of the mRNA actually kind of helped make uh, the vaccines even faster. That's why they were kind of the first ones to kind of figure it out. But mm. I digress. Let's. This is a video game podcast. Uh, we should probably talk about some video games. How how does that sound? Uh, sounds Hell good. Yeah. yeah? All yep. right. Okay, so looking through the list here. Uh Nathan, how's your Series X treating you? Huh. Oh you're, yeah, that's right. You're a place you're a PlayStation guy. I am hell? a PlayStation guy. I've never owned an Xbox ever before in my life. Uh my kids are still asking me why I bought an Xbox. Uh your kids are stupid. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> my wife just said she's asking yeah. that too. So yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Your uh, wife is a lovely lady, I'm sure. 
She is a lovely lady. She's a very lovely person. See, everybody's saying compliments about you, dear. Anyways. <laughs> um, so, I guess I got the X because, number one, I don't want to miss out on the conversation with you guys, which I feel like I am for things like Outriders, which I completely missed out on. It just yeah. wasn't something I could be a part of that conversation. When Halo comes out, it'll be part of the conversation. It'll be at least at least two of us will be way into it. Yeah. Maybe so, three. So I was like, so why not try and take like take advantage um, mm-hmm. and be involved in that? Game Pass is supposed to be a great deal. Um uh, and uh, so we can talk about that, but th- that's essentially where it came down to is like, you guys are talking about it. I don't want to miss out. Game pass has those games that come free to it, like from the yeah. initial run. So uh, like, anyway, so th- anyways, that's, that's why I, I did it. Um, it's definitely been an adjustment period. I've been playing a lot of Fori- Forza Horizon four, mm-hmm. um, on it, which is a fantastic game. And you were playing, you were playing that on your PC a bit. I was, and everything moved over actually onto the Xbox Series X, which was nice. So I was just able to pick up where I left off. Um, It's much nicer playing on the like on the big screen than my than my computer screen at not a sixty refresh rate. (laughs) These monitors are ten years old and not HDMI. So, oh, yeah. so anyway, so yeah, so that's kind of where like the reasoning behind it. Now that being said, as somebody who's only been a PlayStation guy jumping into the Xbox ecosystem, it's been mm-hmm. a little tough. I won't be on, or I'll be honest. I find the menus very hard to navigate and I'm getting better at it now, but it's like somebody threw up apps on the screen and they're mm-hmm. just kind of all I, there. I have a very hard time and, you know, I had both um, Xbox One and PS4. Um, and in, in that generation, you know, I played, at, especially at the start, the majority of games on my PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that as time went on, I just started to want to play my... Um, I, just, I just wanted to play on my Xbox just that much, that much more for some reason. Um... Sorry, I have people who talk That's in the background. Okay. My apologies. Yeah, it's totally That's fine. okay. That's okay. I've got ADHD, so I get distracted easily. So that that's on me for not being able to follow through there. Um No, the um I just I just found that I, I like even cro- like they while they technically looked better on the PS4 I uh, I found that I was just gravitating more towards my the Xbox and that ecosystem, um, especially at at a point where I could plug my the HDMI of my cable box into it um, and watch TV through it uh, before that broke on my Xbox One and now it's not even a feature on the Series X. Um, but yeah, I uh, with the 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 series X and and everything with, with game pass and all that. I just, I don't know. It just, it just feels good. Yeah. It's, it's no question. It's a good deal for game pass. I played through the story mode for Marvel versus in uh, Marvel versus Capcom infinite, mm-hmm. um, which was a game I wanted to buy, but I never wanted to pay the price for because I kept hearing how terrible it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finally got a chance. I just downloaded it, played it, and then deleted it when I was done the like three or four hour story mode. Um, mm-hmm. 
so like I can see how this works, but like at the same token, I've probably played like 15 different games and not stuck with any of them. Yeah. And I wonder if there's this wanderlust because you can kind of try everything. It's 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 almost like game rentals again. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. In a way, right? Which is actually super interesting because you can just you, you would browse the store, you'd take a game home for the weekend, be like, oh, I don't like this and not rent it again or not buy it or or what have you. Mm-hmm. Cozy, mm. you were going to say something? Yeah, uh, to go back to what you were saying at the beginning of the conversation, Nathan, I've definitely found navigating the Xbox Series X's UI uh, a little confusing as well. It's still like because it is a modern UI, you know, developed by, you know, modern UI designers, it's not the most confusing thing in the world, but it is definitely an adjustment coming from uh, the PlayStation Nintendo ecosystem. Um, I've not played too many games off of Game Pass, so I don't have this entire stack of half-finished experiences, but uh, you might recall from the episode that we did uh, back at the end of last year, I did uh, start playing a little bit of Ori in the Blind Forest, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, I have yet to get back to that game. Uh, same story mm-hmm. with uh, Halo Wars, uh, the first one. Uh, I remember, is it called like Halo Wars uh, Definitive Edition? The version that uh, is on the... I've- I think, yeah, I think it's a definitive edition. Yeah, Halo, same story with Halo Wars Definitive Edition, which I put a few hours into on that one stream I did a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't really gone back to it. I, I, I generally, like, it, one of my kind of big kind of secret um, New Year's resolutions for 2021 has been to, like, start and sit down and really finish whatever games I start and not to log a couple of hours into them. Um mm-hmm. So I've like not splurged and sort of gone out and tried, you know, whatever Xbox uh, Game Pass games have suited my fans. I've really tried to only start the games that I feel like I've been able to finish. Uh, But yeah, it's something that I've, you know, been wrestling with too. Yeah. So, Hmm. so yeah, so I I definitely played a lot of for the, that's the one that's sticking Forza Horizon 4. I keep wanting to say Horizon and that's not right. Um, That's like the Benefer. Of it. But it's a really fun game, um, really engaging, uh, like racing to it. You get like the car selections amazing um, on it. I will say, because there's a little rumble in the triggers, mm-hmm. um, after having the dual sense in my hand and playing some racing games with that with the adaptive triggers, it doesn't yeah. f- like I can imagine what this would do with the adaptive triggers and just wish oh, that yeah. Xbox had implemented something like that because the rumbles like. It's a nice little sensation in the triggers, but like the adaptive triggers are just so much better. And I'm so not trying to like. Oh no no no! That's so in the previous generation on the Xbox One, the triggers were exactly like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was an enhancement from just the generic controller rumble that everything else was doing. Yeah. So in a way, like this, this was like a a, a stepping stone to like like for the competition and Sony to kind of create uh the adaptive triggers and like try and try and rethink how that that how that worked Mm -hmm. so uh, that that's that's how i feel about it yeah so yeah no 100 percent. there's definitely some one-upmanship and sony raising their game in terms of that Mm -hmm. um so yeah no that's good and oh i finally figured out why i so i can now put to words why i don't love the sticks where they are on the Xbox controller. Now that I've been uh, using it a little bit more. Your your opinion will be incorrect, but go ahead. 
Okay, so I play a lot of games using the D-pad if it's a default mm -hmm. option for controls, whether that's Tony Hawk, whether that's fighting games. And the D-pad's a little, even though it's in the same position as, as, like, the, as the stick, your thumb has to move further down because there's no stick popping up out of it. And it's more mm -hmm. awkward to get to on the controller. Um, and like I play, like yeah. if it's Tony Hawk, I'm playing with the D-pad. If it's um, if it's uh, like fighting games, I'm playing with the D-pad. If that's so, a control option. So what you're saying is you actually do prefer to control your games where the stick is actually placed. It's just a, it's not a stick issue. It's the D-pad issue. Yeah, I because guess... if the if the D-pad is in the position of the Xbox stick where it is currently on the PlayStation controller then you wouldn't have a problem but that is the the exact layout of an xbox controller yeah well it's the stick's not in the right spot it's like the stick's a little higher on the playstation controller because it doesn't get like pressed because you your thumb doesn't have to move as far in to get to the stick where if you're trying to press that d-pad on the xbox controller especially if you're trying to use it i tried using it for killer instinct and it's much harder to use um hmm. and awkward for your hands to get to it because i'm not used to using control sticks uh to do these maneuvers in fact i actively try not to use those maneuver um the sticks whenever i play fighting games i always try to play with the d-pad and it's just it's much more accessible up there and with the mm -hmm. stick where it is it's easier to get to on the play controller because your thumb doesn't need to go as far down on it so yeah so so and and yeah so the your problem, as we've de determined, your problem is not with the stick placement. It's with the D-pad placement. Because if your problem was with the stick placement, it wouldn't Isn't be a the problem. Same thing? Because, no. Because, because you play, if you played the majority of games with, a, it, with the D-pad, right? The games that you mm -hmm. want to play, right? Yeah. The the, the, all, the, all the other normal games should actually feel okay because... You're putting your your thumb where you would normally put the D-pad, which is where you're saying it's most comfortable. Yeah, true. I, I don't know. So I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like it, it's yeah. playing fine. I tried Halo War, Halo Reach, because it's the okay. first game in the Halo collection. Yeah. Uh, to try it's. it's, it's the, I know it's, it's not it's first. first. It's yeah, canonically it's in, first in the mainline in the mainline Halo games. You know it's. It is both a spin-off and a direct Halo okay. No spoilers. But in terms of placement, mm -hmm. um Halo Reach is the Rogue One in the timeline. Oh, interesting. It's right there, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Okay. Um, which which Halo game is Star Wars an Ewok adventure within the timeline? I I'm more interested in what one is the Christmas special personally. Mm. Who can say? Only 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 Alex can say. Yeah. But probably Halo DS to be honest. Yeah, sure. I I would like to play more Halo. Um, but I think this is a game where I need to find a co-op partner to play with me with cuz I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. and i am struggling against these in the second area with these guys who just keep absorbing my bullets and i don't know how to kill them what difficulty me. are you playing on normal, normal or did normal 
Yeah, because it goes easy, no, easy, normal, heroic, legendary. Yeah, I'm playing on normal, um, and I've been pretty much fine, but there are these giant guys, and they just keep absorbing all my ammo, and I yep. don't know how to kill them. So I think I need to find somebody to co-op this with, and I've never done really co-op in a game before, so I think this could be an interesting yeah. experience to do that with. So if you're out there and you'd like to be my introduction to Halo um, and play with me, let me know. I so does that game have like three or four player co-op or is it just two i do not know the answer to that question i think i think it's i think reaches four because that which makes sense halo three was four as well right so i believe halo one only had two player co-op correct halo one had two halo two had two halo three had four Hmm. halo odst had four um and i think halo reach has four as well so what I'm going to say, Nathan, is I would be open to playing alongside you if it was like part of a three or four player party. I um, like the thing is, is that I I enjoyed it without getting into any spoilers, because eventually we are going to do our Halo one uh, spoiler mm-hmm. cast discussion. Like I enjoyed Halo one fine, um, but like uh, I would rather like if I'm ever going to play a Halo game through again, I would want it to be alongside at least one other person that's like a really experienced Halo player who can really kind of show me the tricks and hooks uh, to really get the most out of the experience. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Ab- yeah. Yeah. Um, ha- growing up, Halo, I've said it numerous times, is very important um, to me. So, you know, I I I clicked with it. Not right away. I was actually like, when I was when when I was like eleven, twelve years old, even a little bit of thirteen, very anti Xbox, like in a big way. Um, and then I I played it one summer because um, uh, the, the I had like a a babysitter or something like that. Um, and and th- uh, they brought over their Xbox, and I just played the shit out of the first halo and you know the rest is history so yeah anyway um cozy Hmm. you and i played knockout city yes dodgeball based off the movie game right oh i want to hear that oh really is vince vaughn in it and ben stiller yep yeah 100 percent. totally no it's not not at all based off the movie unfortunately does Uh, somebody say uh, if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball is that I, I may have thought those words All right. uh, when playing it. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, shout out to uh, Key Balance. He uh, joined up with us and played this game with us on Monday stream. And his presence was very much appreciated because he had a little bit of prior experience with it. And I think definitely was able to help coach us through some of the finer points. Uh, yeah, this game's a lot of fun. Um, so I didn't really mention this on uh, the stream that we did together on Monday, but a couple of months ago, I played a little bit of Ninjala on the Switch. Did anybody here by any chance play Ninjala? No, I saw no. it. It looked like Splatoon, but not. Yeah, uh, artistically like Splatoon, um, very kind of similar to this game, though, in the sense that it was like, hey, this is an online only experience where you're heading into closely knit uh, multiplayer matches with other players. You're leveling up uh, your abilities. You're gradually acquiring cosmetic items. And there's like, you know, a digital currency and you can pay if you want to get the cool stuff faster. Um, and I remember playing that game being like, hey, 
I found I find that the control scheme here is just a little bit too complex and hard to wrap my head around. And B, more than that, I just don't find that like anything about the game is particularly satisfying to control. Uh, not in the way that you think about it being satisfying to kind of like splatter around paint in a game like Splatoon. Um, what I will say about Knockout City is I do still find its control scheme also a little bit uh, hard to wrap my head around right now. It's, having it's only a little cumbersome. Logged it's a few a hours into cumbersome it. cumbersome at first. But, but like tossing uh, the ball back and forth or, you know, trying to knock out your opponent with it um, is like really, really satisfying in like a very kind of like uh, visceral, like Mario jumping or Link swinging his sword kind of satisfying way. Mm -hmm. And um, so this studio prior to releasing this game worked on Mario Kart uh, home circuit. And like, I do wonder like how much coaching they received from Nintendo uh, on this game during Mario Kart's development. Cause like this feels, this definitely has that Nintendo like, sheen of quality to its gameplay and i am so so happy about that hmm. yeah so one of the things that i i talked about when playing that um was it reminds me a lot of like stylistically it reminds me of sunset overdrive in a way like this is all like weirdly set in the future and stuff and sunset overdrive wasn't quite that um but um it, it, there's like even the way you like run around and everything feels kind of like sunset overdrive to almost to a fault to where um all, all i kept wanting to do is like jump up on the ledges and grind grind the ledges like you do in sunset overdrive hmm. um and uh do some wall runs and and all that fun stuff because i i th i think um i th i think that could make it uh, a lot more a lot more interesting. Um, mm. It's super fun and basic the way it is now. Um, and and uh, Key Balanced uh, also said during during the stream that you know, you know, it would make a, a for an interesting level where if you know that was what if that was the feature of a level. So, mm. um, yeah, I, uh, I, th I think I, hmm. Do it remains to be seen. Right, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to ask. I interrupted you. My apologies. I was going to say, do different characters have different abilities? No, it's no. just no, no. Okay. It's just everybody. Everybody's the same. It's just you. You just go. Um, the the character is custom character that you create. Um, oh, okay. You make the character. I understand. Yeah, hmm. and um, oh, actually, that's something that's really uh, interesting in in the in the uh, aspect of like inclusivity. Um, when you're making a character in the game, um, you know, you can pick two body types, but it doesn't gender them specifically. Right. Mm. You could, you, there's, there is a more masculine form for sure. And then there is a definitely a feminine form, um, that you, that is kind of noticeable, but they don't name it that. But then also you can, there are more masculine faces and more feminine faces, and you pick from those base faces, right? Um, and it's just different ethnicities and stuff like that. And that it, it's really interesting because you can just mix and match and choose whatever whatever suits uh, whatever your style you're going for in that. Um, and it's actually uh, it's it's actually super cool the way the way it does that. 
yeah sweet. very much very, going very... the the animal crossing route or like well not just animal crossing this is a route that a lot of video games have been going up as of recent of like just sort of ch- pick and choose whatever body parts you feel uh suit your body the most mm-hmm. yeah exactly which is which is super cool and forward thinking and progressive and i like it hmm. so so uh yeah i uh, uh as uh, aj has said it is a little bit basic right now um but obviously uh we're really at the kind of precipice of this game's life cycle hopefully you know hopefully this won't just prove to be you know a block party that was popular for only a weekend and then you know it won't really be able to recapture its uh original glory again i i'd like to hope that this game uh will continue to remain popular for some time to come um uh Right now, I don't know how much longer I'm necessarily going to be playing this game. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I was definitely drawn to it because hearing the way people were describing it, I was like, oh man, this reminds me a lot of the way that people were describing Apex Legends when that game first came out. And, you know, that game became one of my favorite games of uh, the past two years. Um Nevertheless, I am going to be playing it uh, next Monday on stream on twitch.tv slash pressyz and possibly the Monday after that. So if you want to take part in the volleyballing shenanigans, by all means, hit me up because we are definitely going to continue to keep an eye on this game and play it some more. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's super fun. How long it'll stick around, I don't know. Um, But yeah. Uh, I I definitely enjoyed my time playing with you and playing with Key Balanced. That was fun. Um, speaking of fun, I've uh, I found myself falling back into Minecraft again. Um, you know, it's it's a very very comfort food game. Um, you can kind of see behind me a little bit. You don't need to make it full screen. Don't worry, cozy. Um, but um, yeah, I uh, I joined a. Um, Last summer, I, at, at one point, I had joined a giant bomb unofficial server and kind of built a base there. And then I started getting the itch to play my, uh, some Minecraft again. And I went onto the server and lo and behold, my base was still there untouched. Did not get griefed. N- did not Ooh. get nothing. Got stolen. Nothing. So I was really? just like, this is great. I've already made some progress. Yeah. No, it, it's a very neat, well-moderated uh, Minecraft server. Uh, and stuff like that so um, yeah they uh you know uh not not very many people play on this server at the same time um you know despite it being uh you know you could have like probably like 300 people in there at a time if you wanted but Mm -hmm. um yeah uh it's for me it's just comfort food and right now you know with with my current health issues and whatnot going on and all the unknowns and everything I definitely needed that comfort food. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's very comforting. Um, another thing that brings me comfort, but I have yet to play, is science fiction and cozy. The the entire genre. Yeah, all of science. The entire yeah, absolutely. I wish I could be in the future. There's mm-hmm. a, there's an old expression where we were we were born too late to explore the world and born too early to ex- explore the galaxy. Um, and I feel that heavily. So th- through things like Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I can do that, but I haven't yet because I've already done that. I, I bought the I bought the fucking helmet, and I still have yet Ooh. to play the game. <laughs> I still have yet to play the game. 
So that helmet must have uh, like stealth technology integrated into it because it just appeared out of nowhere yeah. when you grabbed it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it was flashing. Um, yeah, it's same with my microphone too. Apparently, um, no. The uh, yeah, you you've been playing that cozy. How you like? Yeah, it? I have. Uh, you know, it's funny uh, to go back to your expression about how you know we're too early to explore the galaxy. I, I discovered uh, on my playthrough of Mass Effect One Legendary Edition that Shepard was kind of born at the perfect time to explore the galaxy because he, she, or they uh, within the timeline of the Mass Effect series was born. I think three years before humanity made first contact with uh, the Turians, which is something that I don't know why I played Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, and I never really kind of caught on to that detail beforehand. Um, Yeah, Mass Effect 1 Legendary Edition thus far is a fun time. Uh, I'll say this. It it's interesting, you know, to play through Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3 and to know of the plot of Mass Effect 1, but they've not really like watched like a, you know, uh, I like watch like a playthrough video of the entire game, not have wa- read like a really in-depth, like moment by moment breakdown of what happens in that game to build up in your head. This must be what happens in Mass Effect 1 and then to go back and actually play it and actually experience it uh, as it is. One thing that I was surprised slash disappointed by is discovering how kind of quickly the main core cast of that game comes together. So in Mass Effect 1, it's you, Shepard. It's Kaiden Elenko and Ashley, uh, your two human compatriots. It's Rex, the uh, Krogan. Um, It's Garrus, uh, the Turian, fan favorite. Um, It's Tali Zora, the Quarian. And it is... Come on, I need to go six for six here. The... What's her name? Come on, she's the most iconic character of them all. The blue. Are you, are you alien. talking about L- Liara Tassoni? Yes, Liara Tassoni. I'm I'm so sorry, so sorry to all the Liara fans that I didn't remember that one off the top of my head. I was really close. I was really close. I got all the other names and all the other races, but that one eluded me. Um, Good job. All of the main characters that I just listed, except for Liara Tassoni you encounter, well, you at least have the option of encountering within the first couple of hours of the game. So when you, like, kick off the Citadel for the first time, you already have Rex, uh, Garrus, uh, um, Tali Zora, and the whole crew, Sans Liara, in your party. And I remember, like, kicking off the Citadel thinking, like, this almost feels like George Lucas wrote this. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like, like, from the perspective of I'm playing through the game out of order, I'm playing Mass Effect 2 first and Mass Effect 3 second, and in my own universe, Mass Effect 1 is sort of like the Star Wars prequel of the Mass Effect series because of the order <laughs> I'm playing through them. But then wow. again, I, I, I think about it, and it's kind of like, well, you could argue that with the original Star Wars movie, A New Hope, like Luke, Chewbacca, Leia, Han Solo, and the whole crew kind of come together really fast in that movie as well. And nobody really mm-hmm. kind of critices, criticizes that movie for, for that. Um, what I will say, though, uh, I've been kind of like being a little bit critical of the game over the past few minutes. Uh, what I will say, though, to speak positively of the game is that like all of the lore, all of the characters, all of the voice performances are fantastic, as you would all expect. Uh, I was, you know... I think that for many years I've been led to believe that Mass Effect 1 was way more kind of obtuse and 
like less polished of an experience in Mass Effect 2 or 3. And uh, certainly there are a few areas where you can see that Bioware is still kind of coming out of the original Xbox era and still coming to grips with the 360 era's, you know, uh, hardware and, you know, just the overall style of storytelling from that generation. But even so, the game still feels like uh, great to play and uh, particularly combat, at least thus far, is something that I found totally easy to wrap my head around, uh, which is Mm -hmm. like, again, to the subject of people talking about the first game being obtuse. I remember many people saying, oh man, I prefer the combat being a little bit more streamlined in Mass Effect 1, uh, sorry, in Mass Effect 2. And so it's pretty, it's been kind of a relief to go back to Mass Effect 1 and be like, oh no, combat here is totally fine. There are a couple of things I think could use a little bit more refining, but like it's still totally enjoyable. It's it's been a handful of years since I played through the Mass Effect uh, trilogy. Um, at the at the very least, I think it was twenty fourteen, so one year after. Um, one no, twenty thirteen. One year after um, Mass Effect three came out, because uh, I had to wait for that dust to settle before I could even consider getting into it. Hmm. Um, but uh, no, the um, I I always found trying to go back to Mass Effect 1 kind of difficult just because of the way it plays. And I think some of the menus are a little uh, little much in terms of its RPG-ness, um, mm. which is fine. That's what, exactly what they were going for. But it's also kind of understandable why they kind of tweaked that and made it a little bit def- uh, different and a little more streamlined. Mm. Um, I will say, I think with the 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 legendary edition i think one of the reasons i'm having a hard time potentially getting into it like enough to even buy it is because they they didn't really do a lot of work to it in not not to say that they didn't do any work at all they increased the they've done visual enhancements they did redid some of the geometry based on those visual enhancements um it's just I think it deserved, <laughs> maybe it's too soon for it. Maybe we needed to wait another 10, 10 years or so, but I think it deserved like a Final Fantasy VII remake style remake of Mass Effect 1. Mm-hmm. Um, be- not, not because it's outdated, but because technology now, we could do so much more uh, with, with that style of sci-fi. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've not exactly resist. I haven't resisted going to get it. I just haven't felt mm. inspired to get it. If that I, makes sense. I get it. I um. I mean, I didn't get the Mario All Stars collection when that released because the only game in yeah. that collection that was really motivated to go back and play through was Sunshine, and you know Nintendo very adamantly didn't change anything about that game for that collection. So yep. I was kind of like, I'll just. If I really need to, I have my GameCube copy. I can always boot out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bless, Bless you. Bless Sorry. you. Good one. Uh, I do want to know uh, something about Mass Effect 1, though, that I was wondering if you could help me out with. Is it sure. okay for me to go ahead and sell uh, any items that I pick up on the battlefield? 
Because that's one thing I've been really confused about. Yeah. You know, you pick up all sorts of like guns and armors and whatnots uh, from caches uh, in levels. And yeah. I, I don't know if I'm making a mistake selling these like sniper rifles or pistols that it would seem like I could theoretically use for myself. And that maybe I ought to be holding on to and swapping and comparing with some of the other weapons I have in my inventory. I always played with just the assault rifle. Um, that That was just my preferred way of playing. Um, and so everything else I just mostly sold. Um, I believe, I believe you can, you can compare the stats and everything and see what, what kind of does better. But in my, in my memory, you know, the majority of each weapon of each, um, weapon type, uh, just typically felt the exact same. So hmm. it, it doesn't inherently matter. You just find what kind of works good and kind of what what's doing the most damage what feels good and you go go from there hmm. so okay i um yeah. i'm playing the game right now on normal difficulty i i am going to want to do like a insanity difficulty playthrough at some point because you can get a trophy for that not from the mass effect one legendary edition trophy list but from like a separate trophy list that's for the entire trilogy um oh, yeah. and so i the way I see it, I have the entire first playthrough of Mass Effect 1 to kind of wrap my head around the way the inventory system works. And then after that, I'd imagine that I'll be able to have a better shot of figuring out insanity mode based on that. Mm -hmm. Is it four Platinums for that game? Or does it just have a few extra trophies beyond the existing lists? The the trophy list for uh, the entire collection does not have a Platinum trophy attached to it. Okay, It's just like... You get a gold trophy if you romance a partner in Mass Effect 1. You get a gold trophy if you rekindle a partnership that you had in Mass Effect 1 or start a new one in Mass Effect 2. Uh, like, it's it's basically a lot of trophies assigned to you doing things over the course of all three games. Hence why it's mm -hmm. its own separate trophy list and not attached specifically to Mass Effect 1, 2, or 3. Gotcha. Okay, okay, I see. So yeah, so these extra trophies are just like basically completing all three games on the insanity. But if you want to say you 100% it, you have to do that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. I'll get to it at some point. I haven't played it, but at mm. this point, I'll wait for EA Play. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it, that's totally It should fair. come there eventually, right? Mm-hmm. So, whatever. Anyway, um, moving on from that, Cozy, you also played Control and some of the DLC. Yes, I did. Um, so I just want to start off by asking, uh, you know, yeah. Alex Ballant was the one who actually inspired me to uh, get into Control Ultimate Edition. Uh, did either of you play through this game all that much? And by the way, if I've asked this on a prior podcast and I've it, it is completely uh like it's just it's fallen out of my brain yeah yeah well yeah. more than a week technically if this is something i've completely forgotten that i've asked please i'd like to apologize on my own behalf mm -hmm. uh i have not uh okay. played through control at all i uh it's one of the ones i kind of wanted better hardware for and now that i have better hardware it almost feels like the moment's passed even though it's supposed to be really good but like I don't know. It's just I haven't been in the mood to play something like that. I it was free on PS Plus earlier this year uh, when yeah. they launched the PS5 version of it. Um, I put an hour or two into it. I saw what it was doing. It 
the spooky horror games have never quite gotten to me. Well, it's not spooky horror. It's still got that like mm-hmm. aesthetic to it. So I didn't keep playing. It is something that I might go back later and play. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that if anything, one of my uh, few small complaints of control is that I actually do wish that there were a few segments of it that were a little bit more horror esque, where it was a little bit kind of less uh, clear what was going on. Uh, like I will say, like I would say my single biggest disappointment with the game is that I do feel like too many of the enemies that you fight are just sort of generic. Oh, this is an NPC with a gun. This is an NPC with a rocket launcher. The really kind of monstrous, uh, uh, enemy characters that don't resemble anything human are kind of few and far between. Other than that, though, the uh, control was really, really great. Just a really great, uh, like Metroidvania inspired action adventure game with, uh, you know, great story, great performances. Actually, story does end on a little bit of a weird note in the base game. Uh, but the two DLCs uh, that control is followed by the foundation and altered world events, uh, both continue it in great fashion, which I also played through. Um, the foundation basically has you going into the basement of uh, the Bureau of Control, which is the like large, spacious uh, office building that the entire game takes place inside of. Uh, gets real weird. There's a lot of like the the, the basement is like this craggly cave with red dust everywhere. Um, but it's a solid kind of follow up to what the main game has to offer. Um, the second of the DLCs, so uh, Altered World Events, I think is really where it's at. So that game, um, you know, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm not going to go full bore into spoilers, but I am going to activate the spoiler alert graphic uh, just for those of you at home who may have played through a certain game by the name of Alan Wake before and don't want to be spoiled uh, because uh, Altered World Events, uh, the second of Control's DLCs, uh, basically has you tracking down a certain character from uh, 2010's Alan Wake uh, inside a new department of the Federal Bureau of Control. All the while... Uh, oh, sorry. Altered World, Alan Wake. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is Altered World Events with an E at the end, so you'd have to find something... Alan Wake that... Experience? That's what I thought it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah, it has you, the DLC basically has you tracking down a certain, uh, character from the original Alan Wake, all the while learning about the fate of the titular Alan Wake, and also sort of setting up what's to come in the future in the Control universe. Well, what I really liked about this DLC, and I wrote this on Twitter, is that I feel like the base version of Control was a little bit insular in terms of, uh, the way that it fleshed out its universe, where... I, by the end of it, I really like believed in the weird world of the Federal Bureau of Control, but it didn't feel like the universe existed much beyond the Bureau and its uh, like excursions outside of the Bureau to kind of capture and control uh, weird altered world events or like supernatural events or whatnot. Uh, one big thing about uh, the the DLC uh, remaining, you know, very light on spoilers is that it really does get into like, hey, there are like a lot of other groups and organizations out there in the world who are also as aware of these supernatural things as the Federal Bureau of Control. And basically it's setting up how in the future, inevitably, uh, Jesse Faden, the protagonist of Control, is probably going to have to go to head to head with some of these organizations. Uh, there is also a pretty big um, spoiler at the end of it for the potential for an Alan Wake 2, although there isn't much 
like details uh, in that spoiler beyond the fact that it's definitely you can tell something that's currently on Remedy's minds. Uh, but yeah, all that to say, I feel like I definitely need to make a point of playing through uh, Alan Wake at one at some point because uh, I feel like I kind of did myself a bit of a disservice not playing it before playing through this DLC. But obviously, I still enjoy this DLC very much. So there was Alan Wake, and there then there was Alan Wake's American Nightmare. Am I remembering yes. this correctly? And American Nightmare yeah. was a different style game, or was it, it similar? Yeah, I believe so. I can't. Uh, I can't remember. I'm not sure. Yeah, I um, I, I um, I, like I, the original Alan Wake is one of those games that back in the day I probably looked up the plot description for just because I was intrigued by its premise. Alan Wake's American Nightmare is one of those games I'd never really remember looking up because I remember it being small and downloadable and not really hitting in the same way. And I also I don't like I can't tell you off the bat how American Nightmare relates to the events of the Control expansion. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Did you, uh, sorry, AJ, did you, or Nathan, yeah. did you play, uh, the original Alan Wake? No, I held, I, there was, I think, a, I think it may have been like an, a behind closed doors, like E3 demo or something like that, where they were showing off the technology of the engine that was Alan Wake. Um, and in the, in this, uh, thing they generated a very uh, like a, a random dynamic uh, tornado and it picked up a car and the person's walking around and like five minutes later the car finally comes back down and nearly crushes the player character hmm. um, and w I went from seeing that getting super excited about the possibilities to then seeing like game trailers of Alan Wake at self and what it was going to be and all that and it's just like this doesn't this isn't necessarily what i was hoping it would be and then i just completely avoided it hmm. yeah all right well uh i'll definitely want to get around to that at some point yeah I, it it by all accounts alan wake seems like it, it was totally fine it's just not for me at the time sure um, Nathan, if you were talking, uh, we could not hear you. Just, uh -oh. you know, your, your discord is flashing, but we cannot hear you. So yeah. you might be okay in your recording, but, um, don't know what's going on there. Maybe, maybe try leaving the discord call and come back into it. That, that may help you. If A you live podcast folks. Yeah. And of course, uh, if you need to do so, it's. Totally uh, not an issue on my hand. I can just quickly... Oh, yep. oh hold on a sec. Is Nathan going to come back? Yep. Oh. There he is. No. No. Still don't, don't hear you, Nate. Ah, there we, we go. We, we don't see you, though. We don't see you, though. That could be what happened the the, the Nvidia broadcast. Because uh, yeah. I don't have one of those fancy cards. Okay. Uh, um, I'll get that fixed. Sorry, guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's yep. not a problem. Uh, I you um, turn your camera back on at any point. That's okay, though. I, I experimented a little bit with RTX uh, ahead of this episode, actually, and I wasn't able to really wrap my head around it as much as I could have. So mm. I, I'm not. Nobody here is going to blame you for being confused of why it randomly shut off. It seems kind of like a fickle program. There we go. Yeah, I think it's... we're back. Yes, there you we go. are. Okay, cool, perfect. There Sorry, you go. guys. All right. No, no worries. No worries. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> on that note, I guess, uh, why don't we go ahead and move on to a, a, a nice, light, easy topic of the show. Hell yeah. All right. Um, I, who, who pitched it? Was it you, Nathan? Or no, was Cozy it Cozy. Pitches. Cozy, you pitched yeah. it. What are we talking about? Yeah, so I figured that, you know, with just the three of us here, it'd be fun to, you know, go nice and easy and just talk about some of our favorite uh, summer gaming memories. Uh, right now, on the date of recording this episode, it is um, the uh, 26th of May, 2021. Um, less than a week from now, we will be well into uh, June. And the thing is, is that I know that this isn't like exactly, exactly the beginning of summer, according to the dates on the calendar and whatnot. But I, I feel like you tell somebody, hey, su uh, June is summer and they're going to be like, yeah, 100 percent June is summer. You tell somebody May is summer and, you know, you might get a little bit less certain of a response. So with that in mind, uh, let's talk about uh, gaming and summer. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and start off here and talk a little bit about uh, the Pokemans. Um, Ooh. As we all know, I'm a huge fan of the Pokemans, and I, especially in summer's past, was a huge fan of playing the Pokemans on my Game Boy Advance or uh, original DS Fat. Uh, in the car with my parents when we would all go on road trips together. Uh, one thing that I used to do back when I had all the time in the world on my hands is I would beat uh, one of the games. Like I would get to the end of Pokemon Fire Red, beat the Elite Four, do most of the post-game stuff. Uh, and then after the post-game stuff, I'd be like, you know what? There are a bunch of Pokemon in my boxes that I have not yet leveled up and gotten the Pokedex entries for their evolutions. Like I have this Larvitar, for example, which only evolves into Pupitar at level 35 and Tyranitar at level 55. Let's take him and let's take a bunch of other, other low-level Pokemon and let's just play through the entirety of the Kanto region again, kind of slowly leveling up gradually and surely all the while. I could theoretically just like rely on other tactics to level up my Pokemon real, real quickly, like just feeding them a bunch of rare candies or like having them participate in a fight where I put them up against a really, really strong opponent. And then I switch out one of my more powerful Pokemon, have them take out the stronger opponent and then uh, relinquish half of the XP to Larvitar and have them level up real fast. But back in the day, you know, having all the time in the world uh, in the car, I'm like, you know what? Instead of doing that, I'm going to just sort of casually make my way through these regions again because I have all the time in the world. And mm -hmm. yeah, that was a that's an example of a summer gaming memory that is very, very fast stuck in my head. Uh, what about you guys? Um, one is keeping it slightly Pokemon related. I brought it up on um, the first uh, episode of the month. I think it was 68. The... No, 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 I was not here. Sorry. For 67, episode 67. For, I was for a second, I was like, Snap. wait a minute. The first day of May was May 68th. I don't yep. know. I don't Nailed know why it. my brain jumped to that. 
No, um, it w- it was the week Pokemon Snap, new Pokemon Snap came out. But yeah. um, there one poke, the Pokemon Snap memory I brought up there, and I'll just bring it here up here again. Was uh, my my dad? Um, you know, I was really hyped for it. My dad bought it for me um, over the summer, and um, I beat it in about in about four hours. Yeah, um, right. I yeah. It, uh, it it's a really quick game, and uh, I technically beat it, but I I was still having fun with it. I was going back and trying to take the best shot possible. Um, I, I only slightly credit credit it with um, you know kind of generating uh, my own personal interest in things like photography and whatnot. My grandfather is the, the biggest influence on that, but. Um, yeah, it uh, it 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 only took four hours, and I remember uh, my dad being uh, fairly upset that it only took me four hours. Um, but I still liked it enough that he felt uh, like it was a good idea to ask the local blockbuster to give me to give him the window display that they were getting rid of, and Ooh. it's currently sitting in my uh, garage here. Yeah, oh, the sweet. Po- old Pokemon Snap window display. So. But now, just to be certain, by beating the game in four hours, does that also include, like, getting every single Pokemon in the Pokedex and, like, photographing Mew, for example? Yeah, I got all the way to Mew wow. and saw credits. It's it's credit credit rolls. Uh, yeah. Did you, like, did you have the help of, like, a strategy guide or something? Because, like, no. that game's not especially long, but, like, there are a couple of environmental puzzles that you have to solve in that game to, like, yeah. fully get everything. Yeah, it was it was fairly straightforward, and I I got to Mew pretty quickly, and it was <laughs> yeah, it was disappointing in that regard that there was not really any actual depth to it, but it was still interesting and entertaining none, nonetheless. Mm. Well, Nathan, I I think it goes without saying that if you don't have a summer Pokemon gaming memory, the two of us are going to be very very disappointed in you. So, what's your summer Pokemon gaming memory, Nathan? Um, yes, yeah, so my summer Pokemon game in memory is about a game called Breath of Fire. <laughs> I love that Pokemon game. <laughs> um, it's an RPG. Um, yep. I, I fell in love with Breath of Fire, uh, the series for the Super Nintendo when I was a kid. Um, I played Final Fantasies, um, I guess at that point, 4 and Mystic Quest and legend three on my game boy um and i was still getting into rpgs but breath of fire just felt really neat it was very um the characters looked different it was a capcom game uh the first one was published by squaresoft uh the second one was published um by by capcom themselves um and the first one was okay they're both available on virtual console i've talked about them before i think it's my favorite series of all time uh for rpgs um and number two is probably my favorite rpg of all time uh but it was just it was a fun unique game uh there were in the second one specifically you could change like you could combine your characters into different characters like like turn them into each other um uh there was a it what was really interesting at the time there was actual uh talk about religion um because early like you're helped by this church early on and it turns out spoilers for a 30 year old game at this point or 25 year old game i don't know it's old um 
the church is actually the bad people. And, what? Yeah. Um, and it was very funny because years later I read an article about Xenogears and how they kind of had a similar plot, but nobody batted an eye back on the Super Nintendo because nobody cared back then about video games. Um, wow. But yeah, you could turn your character into dragons. You can combine multiple characters. There was a village building aspect to it. Um, it did a lot of really neat things and I just like fell deep in with it. It had great characters. All the characters had... Uh, like an ability on the overworld map, which kind of made it like a Metroidvania as you got new characters, you could go to different areas on the overworld map that you couldn't go to before. Um, there was no creature collect collecting. I'm going to be honest. My summer memory kids memory um, Pokemon wasn't a thing then. So mm. I think we've talked about this before. I've only really played blue and it wasn't during the summer. So I just don't have memories to go along with that. I'm sorry, cozy. Yeah, I know it's I not a problem. You guys, it's not a problem. Um, <laughs> so, you, you know, it's funny. When I was thinking about some of my summer gaming memories for today's podcast, I was trying to think, so what are some of the other, you know, non-Pokemon summer gaming memories I have? I know th those are a blasphemous set of words, non-Pokemon summer gaming memories. Um, for whatever reason, one of the games that immediately came to mind was Super Paper Mario. Now, this is the third Paper Mario game, the one that released on the Wii. Uh, it did away with the turn-based uh, role-playing game uh, form of the first two Paper Marios, but it still very much kind of preserved the story and uh, like soul of the first two games, what with its zany cast of characters and whatnot. Um, so that game, it's actually, there are ties to AJ's story of uh, renting Pokemon Snap. I um, basically, for many many years i never actually owned that game i only rented that game and i'm pretty certain that like the summer that i rented that game like i kept renting it so many times in a row to kind of see all my way through it and get all the collectibles in it that i probably ended up spending more money on it than yeah. i would have spent on it just buying it like firsthand um which is too bad because in retrospect it's like yeah i probably should have just you know, bought it firsthand, even uh, full price at the time. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, what, what's funny, right, is that Pokemon, Super Paper Mario, these are not games that I feel like particularly have summertime as a focus in either of them. Paper Mario in particular, like you're traveling between dimensions, each of which vary greatly in terms of their tone, focus, and sunshininess. Um, but whenever I think about like, just a really hot Montreal summer. Like you walk around a little bit during the day and then you come home at night to your nice and frosty basement and you plug a game in your game console and you just load it on up. That's kind of the game, first game that comes to mind. It's just sort of seared into my brain in the same way that the sunshine sears into your back and causes blisters and sunburns if you haven't applied sunscreen during the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, uh. AJ. I know it's yes. blasphemous, but what are some other non-Pokemon summer gaming memories that you have? Oh boy! I mean, I mentioned I mentioned the one um, uh, with regards to Halo, the one that kind of got me into Halo and Xbox in general. But um, yeah, so okay, my parents got divorced when I was seven years old. And my dad uh, lived in lives in California, and I lived here. So I'd go visit him every summer. Um, and our, my summers were usually filled with uh, 
most hmm. they they were kind of adventurous uh some you know sometimes we would fly but other times because it was definitely a lot cheaper um we would uh drive across the country and that that was a lot of fun right and so you know i've got i've got lots of memories of like playing actually playing pokemon and and stuff like on the way and and whatnot um but actually um on the way we would sometimes hit up like different arcades and stuff when they were still open and around um back in the day um Mm -hmm. i remember my dad and i uh beat the um the arcade jurassic park uh light gun game where you sit in like the jeep and it drives around and we just kept pumping quarters into it and and doing that yeah um there was one one day uh we went to a different arcade uh somewhere in the states um and i i just walked up to uh one of the simpsons arcade cabinets um a a couple other people were playing it at the time i think um I, i i think it is it only it might only be two player um there were there were a couple people standing around it. One guy was playing, and they asked if I wanted to play, and so I popped in a couple quarters, and then we ended up beating the game, um, and that was fun. Um, but yeah, the the arcade experience is something that is even even though like as an adult, like if we were to like go to a, a an arcade bar or something like that, it's not quite the same. Like. The only place you could really get that experience these days, like especially around here, is like going to one Canada's Wonderland or something, where they have like an indoor arcade. But um, yeah, um, there was one in uh, Vegas that we went to, and I played the shit out of Crazy Taxi. Um, yeah, that uh, yeah, arcade arcades and stuff over over the summer um, are are a very good uh, gaming memory for me. Hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, just quickly to go back to the Simpsons, if the arcade game that you're referring to is the Konami one from 1999, uh, yes, that one did involve uh, four players. The there it was a beat up. It was no, it was the the old beat 'em up side scrolling beat 'em up one, where like Maggie get gets kidnapped. Yeah, yeah, that's, this, that's the one. Yeah, is that the one? Okay, yeah, yeah I. Definitely ran away from my grandmother's house once over a summer and went to the bowling alley to play that when I where I'd seen it. Yeah. Um, and they didn't know where I'd gone. I I as we were driving home was looking at the street so I could figure out how to get back there. It just disappeared one day so I could watch people play it. I didn't even have any yeah. money to play it. And then they're like, "Where are you?" <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, Nathan, you, you talked previously about your summer Pokemon gaming memories with hit Pokemon game Breath of Fire. Yeah. What are your some of your non-Pokemon summer gaming memories? Oh, my non-Pokemon summer gaming memories. I don't know if you've heard of this game called Pokemon Blue. No, I'm kidding. Ooh, I'm kidding. Got him. <laughs> got him. Um, so, like, we can go back. Like, when I was a kid, you kind of have a game and you just have it. Like, and I think I've brought it up before, but... One of those games where your parents bought it for you, so it's kind of what you had, and you kind of just had to like it. Um, it was Cool Spot for the Super Nintendo. Mm, I feel like we talked about this one a little. We've bit. We've definitely talked yeah. about Cool Spot before, um, so I won't go too deep into it. But Cool Spots, like you play as the mascot from the Seven Up games or from the Seven mm-hmm. Up bottle, and you're literally going around these levels, um, which. 
in hindsight, are crazy difficult, and nobody should have ever been able to beat this game. Uh, collecting all the spots around it, and I don't even remember what the main reason was. This is back when like Chester Cheetah got a game, and um, a bunch of different characters. They're like, oh, we got these mascots, we can put them into a video game. Um, so it's not a great video game in any fashion, uh, but for whatever reason, there was a summer where I beat it. And oh, I didn't know we definitely talked about this because I brought up the fact that there's a cheat code or there's a code at the end of the game that you can mail in to them and they'll they right. would send you a prize. That's right. Oh, yeah. Um, when you finish the game, because at that point, the Internet wasn't a thing. And it, the code, if you did that nowadays, the code would just be spread all over the Internet. Mm, um absolutely yeah i'm actually kind of surprised gaming magazines didn't publish it or something you should you should try and beat the game like legitimately and send in the code to whatever the address is and see what happens yeah well, there was that one um like wasn't there like some video from uh, a couple years ago where they took the like coupon for like a free pizza from the back of the tmnt vhs xbox and they like brought it into a uh, pizza hut and they're like oh yeah you know what we'll just we'll accept this this one time like maybe you can do the just same because thing. it was fun yeah yeah maybe that'd, that'd be interesting to see uh, i'm sure i don't even have to beat the game because honestly i don't think i'd have the patience to try and beat it i'm sure it would only take a few hours but the hit detection's terrible um like the hitbox on the character is terrible on that game now that you go back and look at it um, watching the gameplay of it it reminds me of a california raisin yeah. Remember those characters? Yeah. But like, this was, was there ever a California Raisin game? I don't think so. This was Wait, um, on. much cooler than the California Raisins. Yeah, Quick question. Cool spot. Quick question. I, I'm aware of what the California Raisins are in the sense that I know what they look like. What yeah. were the California Raisins created to promote? Were they made to promote raisins? Yeah, I think they a were raisin prom- promoting raisins. Yeah. Okay. Okay, there is a video game called The California Raisins, colon, The Grape Escape. Oh, I do remember that. It's a Nintendo game, isn't it? Original Nintendo? Yeah, NES. Yeah, I do remember that. Now that you've said that, the the name The Grape Escape, I was like, oh, I do remember that. I never played it, but I definitely read about it in Nintendo Power. It was made by Capcom. Yep. Capcom actually did a lot of good licensed games back in the day. Uh, Mm -hmm. But most of them, a lot of them were Disney um disney franchises that ended up being good yeah i remember this game oh it actually actually this game got canceled it never came out did it really yeah maybe like a rom leaked or something but it says um according to the wikipedia here um uh they, Capcom planned to publish the game in 1990, but the release was canceled due to the California Raisins' dwindling popularity because of the decline in raisin sales in the late 80s and early 90s. Huh. I, mm. So when I say I've seen it then, it, like Nintendo Power published games before they come out, so maybe that's where I saw screenshots of it because obviously they had stuff, like assets yeah. and stuff for it. So Yeah, I, I just, well, I don't know. I'm... The reason earlier why I asked, like, what is it that the California Raisins were made to promote is because I just find the idea of, like, a mascot being created to promote, like, dried fruit really weird. On one hand, I think it's kind of clever to be like, hey, we need to get kids to eat healthier food, so let's create mascots to get them excited about them. But 
just the idea specifically of creating a mascot to promote raisins is just really <laughs> weird to me. Yeah. They they haven't been used since 1994. That's their last appearance in something. Um, mm, at one wow. point I had a little figure that would like toys for them <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. I think I had yeah. some of those too. And they had like bendy arms. Yeah. Bendy arms. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. So, um, apparently <sighs> there was going to be a reboot of them, but that never happened. Oh man. There's, I think there should be at least like one episode of a thing or something. Just, Oh yeah, it. for sure. You know what would be I, funny? I, I think, if they yeah. did a movie that featured old mascots that nobody uses anymore. You get Coolest Spot, you get the California Raisins. Make make it kind of like Wreck-It Ralph, but... For with, mascots. Like those, for, for those other mascots instead of old video game characters. Hell yeah. I think there's money in that, actually. I, I think that's yeah. a good idea. Because there's I mean, tons I, of characters. Like the write alphabet, it down, seal it in an envelope, and send it to yourself. That mm-hmm. way, nobody can steal it from you hell yeah if we um what i would love uh, about that movie is if they could somehow convince nintendo to get like the version of link and the version of mario that appeared on the nintendo serial system box like they they got the rights to both those characters but only as they appeared in the 1980s on a serial box and it's their movies equivalent of like having bowser in the like villains anonymous meeting scene for example Mm. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, well, before we before we wrap up the um, the actual topic of the show, unless you guys have others that you want to add really quick, um, I thought maybe we'd bring in some of the Twitter uh, responses because we have a, a couple of them here. I've got sure. one more, but let's do the Twitter first. Sure. So. Sure. All right. So I'm over at... Uh, on on the web twitter.com it's a website i don't know if you've heard of it uh never heard of press it press yy press yyz um and there's one here from somebody by the name of mr mitch george um he, mm-hmm. met, he must be new uh new new follower new, new i've never new, uh, in my life heard of anybody with a last name that's mitch george yeah no not at all that's it's crazy yeah i it's wonder what his enough. name is maybe it should be george mitch yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's weird when somebody has like, uh, you know, a, a first name as their last name, but when they have two first names as their last name together, that's where things get extra weird. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. Anyway, uh, this person wrote in and said, thinking it was so cool to trade Pokemon wirelessly in Fire Red Leaf Green with a friend. Uh, with a friend I would only see over the summer, we'd try to see how far apart we could be before it stopped working. That that's actually an interesting testing the limits of technology. Yeah, um, of the little adapter I've, that you would put on your GBA. I've done I've done like similar tests with like Bluetooth headphones these days, and like okay, uh, I you know leave leave my phone like on my porch and walk away as far as I can until the sound stops, until mm. it disconnects. I've done little fun little tests like that. It's super, super cool. So the fact that he didn't follow up with that tweet by saying, hey, you know, it turned out really badly for the two of us leads me to believe that there were no uh, issues with them testing the limits of those Wi-Fi adapters. I will say, though, like I personally would not have done that because I would have been really concerned that like I would have accidentally corrupted the data in my games or that the Pokemon that I was trying to trade in my copy of Fire Red would have been accidentally lost. 
Um, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm assuming that it probably worked out okay for Mitch and his friend. Yeah. Well, clearly he it's a it's a good memory for him too, and yeah, no that that's super super interesting thought. That's a different uh, the podcast. next one here. The bad yeah, game absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Bad <laughs> <ones>. yeah. <laughs> um, another one here from Justin D at Justin on Twitter. Uh, my gaming memory is playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City in the summer, and then the infamous blackout occurred, and we didn't have power for three days. So, oh, man, I have a question. Be... Can can either yes. of you explain to me this infamous blackout that he's referring to? Yep. Um, yeah, Nate, Nate. I was I was a kid at the time, and so Nathan, you probably remember it better than I do. I would have been nineteen, I think, when it happened, because um, wow. I just moved to London and we were living at my parents' house. My parents were actually gone for the week for the week up at the cottage uh, when everything went out. But essentially, power dropped out in Ontario for like three days. Like uh, uh, Ontario and some of uh, northern New York. Yeah, some of the New York. Yeah, something happened with our power generators, and yeah, we literally lost power, and it was a multiple day thing where there was just no power. You had no TV, you had no internet, um, because even if you had a laptop which would run on a battery, uh, you couldn't charge it if it died, and the router and modem didn't have power to give you signal. So yeah. It was just kind of a disaster. I just remember drinking and hanging out by the pool uh, <laughs> for those three to days <laughs> to kill time. What? What we? Do you do you remember what like what? When it? What was the? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this. You go ahead, cozy. You say what you're gonna say. No, I was gonna say. I feel like you know we we don't really get blackouts anymore i feel like it would be such an interesting experience to actually get a legit blackout and be like okay i have my nintendo switch i have my game boy advance i have my original game boy i have you know x and y portable gaming systems i have to somehow use these strategically so that they can last the next three days slash week slash however long this power outage is gonna last like that is go ahead I, I was slightly older. I'm looking at the timeline of this now. It was 2003. So yeah. I actually would have been like, or working at Radio Shack in my early 20s. And now that we're talking about this, I actually remember because the malls couldn't run. The malls were shut down. So there was no work, no jobs to be done. Everybody mm-hmm. was home because you couldn't go to your places of work. Sounds familiar. That's weird. Yeah. Mm. Uh, much, yeah much, much smaller um thing although getting like you pretty much had to live on whatever groceries you had and you could only open and close your fridge so much because you didn't want to lose any of the cold air in the fridge jesus um which at least now you can do that but you had to be rationing like if you only open that fridge when you needed to open the fridge so so yeah so this being uh so august the date of this was August 14th, 2003. I would have been in California and completely unaffected. Yep. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> you probably yeah. would have been fine. Land landline still worked. So I could still like call my mom and stuff, mm-hmm. but like that was it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Th- this was, um, I remember this, uh, like I said, w- still, whether I was working or not, um, or I, I wasn't working, um, the age, it still was pool and drinking. That's how I solved it. <laughs> 
my issues here. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, but uh, yeah, everybody just kind of had the time off. There were no, like even getting around the city, if you had to get around the city, all the lights weren't working. Mm, So. Stoplights were down, everything, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, quite the memory. Yeah, I hope that, uh, I just want to say, I hope that Justin D didn't lose any of his progress in Grand Theft Auto Vice City when the power out hit. Because, like, can did you imagine that? Did save exactly then? When did autosave happen? Uh, if I remember, it, well, uh, autosave happened in a lot of games, but I don't think Vice City had it because you had to go to your safe house and, like, sleep mm. to save mm. or something. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that could have been real bad for him, and... That mm, if I didn't have my Game Boy, you know, at at the time, and I went, I had to have gone through that. That would have drove me nuts. But I was lucky, lucky to be in sunny California yep. at Hell the yeah. time. Sorry, hold on a sec, guys. Um, my yep. cat Jackie is currently walking all over my Mario Legos. I need to get her out of here. Jackie. Okay. Jackie, uh, go ahead. Fill time. Mar- I'm gonna get Jackie out of here. Wow. All I, right. I wish I, had, I I need a pet. I'd like a I've dog got a one do- day. I've got a dog-shaped hole in my heart because I had a dog as a kid. Mm. Um, and I've got a dog-shaped hole in my heart now. And, you know, no no animal to fill it, unfortunately. Future podcast episode, best video game pets. Best pet, best. Best pets in video games. Pets or would it just be like. Maybe best companions because there's probably some video game pets that fit. I that. want, I want to get Jackie out of the basement, but she's sort of like she's nestled herself into this small little space in between a couple of my desks here. And if I try to yeah. like get her out of one spot, she goes into another spot. It's, it's a whole big deal. But I'll I'll keep an eye on her. She's no longer on my Legos anymore. Well, right. that's nice of her to listen. Kinda. <laughs> All right. Uh, we ha- we have one we have one uh, final tweet here um, from Brad Shankar. Um, my fondest are definitely from staying up until like two or three a.m. playing Halo Three online with my younger cousins in Florida when I'd visit. I'd drive the Warthog. One of them would man the turret, and the other would ride shotgun. I got so many Wheelman medals. I too was a Halo driver. Uh, when I would play with my friends online, I was the guy constantly driving and jumping over things and running people over as best I could. Um, but all, but ideally trying to make sure my passengers didn't get shot, which was nice. Maybe he could play Halo with me. He sounds like he might be an maybe. Expert. Maybe he could if he's listening. If he's listening to this episode, hey Brad, me play Halo, hey Brad. With me. How hey you Brad? Doing? Yeah, I think you show me Nathan how to play Halo. Yes. Yeah. I need uh, to learn. <sighs> yeah. All right, Nathan, you said you had one more. Yeah. So you bringing up uh, the arcades actually brought up something else in my head. And it, this is an arcade memory. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember a place called, and you guys might be too young to even know what this place was called, Wheelies? No idea. So Wheelies was a place where you could go and rent roller skates. And when I mean roller skates, I don't mean roller blades. I mean four-wheeled roller skates. Okay. And you would you, skate. You or, went to the roller rink. I went to you the roller rink. You to go to the roller rink. You skate yeah. around the roller rink um, mm-hmm. in circles as they play music. And they have a live DJ playing music. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then there was also an arcade which you could go play games. And there was this one game that years later I tried to track down and find a copy of called Tumble Pop. And basically um, you played as one of two vacuum guys with this vacuum and you would suck the enemies into the vacuum and you could suck a bunch of them all up at once. And then you could shoot them out of the vacuum. It was kind of like Luigi, a 2d Luigi's mansion. Huh? Um, I have never heard of that. So the name doesn't make sense. Nathan, does it look like the game I'm currently showing on screen? Uh, wait, uh, I'm pulling it up right now. Yes, that that's it right there. Okay. And looks like there was also a game boy version. Yeah, and that's why I was careful because I didn't want to pull up like the wrong version of Tumble Pop and Nathan to be like, oh no, that's not it. So I remember this was an art, like as far as I was concerned myself, this was an arcade only type game, but you could like combo these, like suck enough of these people up, start at the top of the stage and then they'd like blow down the entire way of the stage as you huh. sent them down to each other and you could like get stuff for it um so i just remember like there were lots of games in that arcade but this one for whatever reason stuck out um and i just remember like obviously it's not like permeated permeated culture enough for you guys to even be aware of what it is um but it was a cool game uh and we used to play it at the wheelies i also found out much later in life that wheelies was also where people bought drugs what so yeah who would do that who would do that? This, honestly, this just kind of makes me want an actual 2D... Uh, Luigi's Mansion. Luigi's Mansion. Because that would that would be super cool. There'd be, You know what? I, I think there could be money in that. I didn't love controlling Luigi's Mansion when we got the Switch one. Um, yeah. But I think a 2D one would feel much better potentially. Mm-hmm. That could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Nintendo, you always... You, you, here's a perfect idea. Do it. The, yeah, uh, absolutely. At, at the end of each stage, uh, the the Tumble Pop brothers do these poses that are very reminiscent of the Ginyu Force from yes. Dragon Ball. Hell yeah! I, I also didn't know that was that. a thing back then. Dragon Ball, what didn't even know what Dragon Ball was then. Hmm. Yeah. Whew. Well, wow. that certainly was wow. quite the find. Tumble Pop never would have known that this existed. Quite, quite the trip down memory lane too. That's that's for sure. So. Yep. All right. Um, anybody else have anything they'd like to uh, contribute or say, or should we wrap things up for tonight? I think we're good I to think, wrap up now. Yeah, I think we're good. We're good. There are many other like there are many other games that I played throughout summer's past, including like a lot of other games on the Game Boy Advance in particular. But I, I think that I more or less succinctly got in the heads of all our viewers, hopefully uh, this evening, what it was like back in the day to enjoy a a nice cozy uh, summer in the back of the cozy car. Mm -hmm. Yep. For sure. Well, I suppose with that, it's time to say thank you for tuning into this episode of Press YYZ. If you enjoyed what you just heard, be sure to share and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitch, etc., etc. You can also check out Press YYZ on Twitter to stay up to date for when we go live. Join us on Discord. Um, It's at invite.gg slash press YYZ. 
to keep the conversation going. Uh, feel free to put in any of your um, any any of your your summer game memories in into that Discord. Uh, we'll definitely be in there. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think we've settled on what next week's uh, topic of the show has been is going to be. Uh, we. You know, last time we did that, it didn't quite work out so well. So um, I think I think we're just gonna stay radio silent on that for now. Um, but uh, until then, thanks for playing. <laughs>